Hello and welcome to the Carmack Podcast, Episode 7. I'm your host, Jim Allen. Today we have Allison Lang with us, visiting us at the Carmack headquarters. Allison is a lease rental expert, and she's going to share all kind of information about lease rental and her partnership with Carmack. So, enjoy. Job. First, before we even get started, I do have to say I'm super excited that you agreed to do this. I know you're a little bit apprehensive, yes. and I don't know how much of that is about me or about the podcast or whatnot or both, but Carmack, including myself on behalf of Carmack, we're very, very excited that you're here for multiple reasons. But, uh, you know, I spent, I had lunch with Allison today, and after five minutes of listening to her talk about lease rental in the industry, I was like, she knows her stuff and it's impressive. And I'm like, I'm just like, I don't even know what she's talking about. But there was talk about meters. And in any event, having you partner with Carmack and, and, and consulting and, and doing what you're doing is without question going to make uh, the next version of lease rental something great. So thank you for, you know, signing on to do that. And, you know, a typical Carmack, we like to pull these experts, subject matter experts, if you want to call them that, from the industry to make the product better. And I think that's the secret sauce to, you know, why we have success in the industry. So thank you and welcome. You're welcome. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> and uh, I do have to ask, because I don't know a lot about you. I've just met you at conference, uh, so I didn't really get any time with you, but where are you from? Where did you come from? Because I rumor on the street is you have an accent. I haven't noticed it, but it sounds like it could be Southern. Uh, well, yeah, born and raised in North Carolina. Nice. What uh, town? Uh, well, I was born in Charlotte, and then I grew up most of my life in Durham, where, and then I subsequently now live in Wake Forest, which is like 30 minutes from Durham. It's a suburb of Raleigh, Durham, Chapel, the Triangle, Research Triangle Park. Cool. So um, my dad was a Kenworth dealer. From ah. North Carolina, starting in 1973. So it's in your blood. Right. When I was 10 years old, he moved from, he was working for a GMC dealer in Durham, and Kenworth came to him and asked him to be the dealer for eastern North Carolina. We had uh, Raleigh, or Durham, to the coast. And then there was another dealer that had the from where, you know, the middle of the state to the mountains. And um, so when I was 10 years old, he and my mom started the business. And mom was the receptionist and the secretary, and he was the salesman and the dealer principal and all that good stuff. And wow. we had 10 locations. Um, well, we started the leasing business in 82. And I had worked in women's retail prior to that. And my husband and I both went to work on the leasing side. My husband worked for Associates Commercial. So he brought a finance background, and I brought, I was the wife, so I came up as the daughter of the dealer principal so right. I came along with the deal and I did all the I was the parts runner I was the billing clerk I was the payroll clerk I was the wash and fuel girl so I've I've done it all but I did not know how to drive them I did not want a CDL because if I did at two o'clock in the morning when a truck needed to be moved or delivered right. I'd have gotten the call right right so my husband I drove it anyway yeah <laughs> I so I didn't I didn't want to do that so we ended up with Ten locations in North Carolina. Wow. 300 employees. We had 10 lo leasing locations and 10 dealership locations. And we had about 1,000 units in the leasing company okay. when we sold the business to MHC Kenworth in 2012, which is another family unit that we've known 
we grew up in the business where all, all the boys were the same ages. Right. My brother, my husband, and I, and um, we've known them all of our lives. And it just, the opportunity presented itself. And my dad was never going to retire unless we took his name off the building. So. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> we did. So, so I, I stayed with him and then left in April. Wow. So okay. growing up, was it always just assumed and it just seemed normal that that's the business you were going to be in? Or did you like rebel and be like, I want to be a no. or join the military or something? No, I was going to work in women's retail. I worked at Casual Corner and was going to sell clothes, women's clothes. That's what I did. And I worked at Merle Norman and sold makeup. And what happened? So then I went and worked with men in <laughs> trucks like, all day. You want to talk this about This store smells shock. too good. I need yeah, to go somewhere a, where there's diesel I, It never <laughs> entered my mind that I would be part of the business. But really? But then when PACAR started the PAC lease, PACAR leasing division, mm-hmm. and they give all the dealers time, you know, an opportunity, um, the uh, whoever the guy was in charge of it at that time interviewed Russell and I. And, you know, Russell had a finance background. And, you know, I was the, da- the principal's daughter, and it was like, I'm sure, I'll go in the business with you. That's fine. And he interviewed us, and he told my dad we'd never make it. And so a year later, we, That's all he left, needed our, to hear. we left our jobs and moved back to Raleigh and started the leasing company from there. And the rest is history. The rest is history. Mm-hmm. Well, good for you. That's a heck of a story. Uh, I, I am always very curious of how people end up where they are. And, mm-hmm. You know, I've made comments in the past as, you know, my career path is terrible. It's all over the place. Uh, You know, I certainly didn't wake up one day in high school or talking to a counselor saying, I want to work for a software company because I'm old enough that that really wasn't a thing back then. So, sorry, as I represent, yeah. Yeah, so. We had punch cards. Yeah, right. (laughs) So, you know, no, that's a good story. So, also outside of just, you know, working in the lease rental company, area at the dealerships and all that what other industry things have you been involved in well of course i went to all the kenworth dealer meetings because i was con- my all my brother my husband and i and my dad we were the dealer principals we actually were a team and considered dealer principals by kenworth so i went to all of the kenworth um things trala been to trala many times north carolina trucking association um, which we were an allied member, so we were there with all of our customers uh, trying to help them, you know, navigate legal issues and things like that, right. best practices. But, you know, when you work and you have two children, and that's you pretty much that's what you do. Right. No, fair right. enough. Yeah. So what do you think right now? I mean, you've, you've been in that industry for a while. Which big changes have you seen and what challenges do you see moving out? Well, the biggest change I see is the technology of the trucks, of the technology that the drivers use, the shippers use, the companies use, you know, the um, onboard recorders, all of those laws, the uh, hours, the, it's funny if you, if you sit around a service department and you uh, listen to everybody that comes in the door and they walk in the door and they say, hey, I brought my truck in. Well, what's wrong with it? My check engine light's on. My check engine right. light's on. It doesn't matter if it's what brand truck it is, what engine it is. Check engine light is the number one CEL. I mean, it's in, it's you know on our brains. That's what, that's what you, that's everybody's problem. The technology right. that the government has forced down on the trucking industry has been done so without enough time to actually 
figure it out so that it doesn't cause the trucks to be down so much. Right. And so it's a real challenge for leasing companies. You know, they're they're caught up in that. They have to maintain these trucks, and they're not given time to be trained on it. Or there's, you know, DPF filters and all of the sensors and all that. It's just, you know, well, Caterpillar's not even in the engine business anymore. Mm. They said, to heck with this. Let's go do something different, you right. know. So, um and then the, the technology with GPS, routing, and, and that sort of thing, the, the drivers, I think, are not independent thinkers as much as they used to be. They're being told, this is where you're going to go. This right. is how you're going to go. You know, oh, hey, don't go that way. Um, here's where you buy your cheaper fuel and, and, and that sort of thing. So technology and just-in-time or instant delivery. I want it now. So there's a lot less leeway for your trucks to be down because when I say I'm going to deliver it by such and such time, I've got a tracking device that says where I am mm-hmm. and the customer's calling, why aren't you here yet? And, or I'm, I'm going to be there, you know, in 30 minutes, but hey, there's a wreck on the road. Right. So I think the, the technology has been both a benefit and a detriment to our industry. It's helped, but it's hurt at the same time. Right. It can, you know, improve efficiencies, but, you know, it does slow other things down. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm curious how what your opinion is on all these driverless cars. And now they're talking about these driverless trucks. And I recently read that there was a, a beer truck that made a run without a driver. And I'm like, wow, what would that do to the industry? And, you know, what would that be like? And, uh, you know, so what do you think of all that? Um, it scares me to death because at the end of the day, that machine is not sitting there and cannot possibly see all of the, the things that are being thrown at it. A bird across the road, a, a dog across the road, a deer, you know, they, it, it's got to make a decision. Who does it make the decision in favor of? Right. You miss the bus, you hit the car, you miss the car, you hit the school bus. Yeah. That's, that's in the hands of some machine. It's not in the hands of a human being. Yeah, so. no, that's an interesting view on that. I, you know, it's you've been with Carmack now how long? Like a month? A month? About a month. And uh, how are you fitting in with the teams? Oh, it it was almost like coming home. You know, there's so many uh-huh. people here that were here 20 years ago when we yeah. first uh, uh, Cooper first got the software in '95. So that there's a lot of people that were here then that we trained in the original building downtown. So um, there's been a lot of of old faces and you know but then i'm i'm having a ball no that's cool and I, you know i i don't like i said i didn't know a lot about you but it kind of makes more sense because i had mentioned oh do you know rachel or you don't know this person's like oh yeah i remember her from that, that was me doing you oh yeah uh was it good okay. can you tell who's talking <laughs> So that is fun. Hopefully, that's a you know that's fun for you. And uh, I all the feedback's been good. So you know we had talked about our e-learning uh, experience for lease rental, and you were like, it was terrible. That uh, wasn't terrible, mm, but it needed a little tweaking. She fucked it three times. Uh, so she did really well on it, <laughs> and uh, we've got some challenges there. So the good news is you'll be able to, uh, you know, help us make that better as well. Of course, the product and, you know, fusion and that module, but you know, from, from get go, you've got the world ex- worldly experience in that area to really help fine tune that as well, which to me, learning it is just as important as using it. Right. So we got to teach them right. 
uh, best practices, that kind of thing. And so I heard that you're going to stay on board and completely rewrite that for me. Is yeah. that true? Well, I, I think that's a negotiating point um, <laughs> after this broad, broadcast to see how it sounds. <laughs> All right, that's fair. That's fair. Well, I won't throw any loops at you. So what do you what do you need from us as, as a partner? What do you need us to do? Uh well, I've, I've gotten a lot of good feedback. That's the, I need the, t- the time to spend with the people at support because they're the ones that are getting the questions from our customers. And if the customers, you know, if, if we have a training issue, then let's identify it to be that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I want to spend more time with the people that are taking those frontline questions because sometimes they don't understand what the customer's asking because they don't understand our business. They don't know the the terminology, they don't know the timing and that sort of thing. So let's let's get your staff trained up in our industry. And that makes the questions that they get, I think, make more sense. And the fix is already there. They just don't know that they're talking about the same thing. Mm-hmm. And as you know, when somebody has a question, it's usually a 911. Something's right. going wrong right this minute and I got to fix it right this minute. And they don't explain it very well. So let's <clears throat> let's get it. Let's get us all on the same page, talking about it in the same way, and then we're not trying to fix things that really aren't broken. Right. We just don't know how to say, oh, yeah, it's on this, it's in this, you know, spot. Let's go here and look here, and oh, there it is. You just didn't have it set up right. We're good. Yeah, and then we kind of talked about at lunch also <clears throat> that, you know, one person may have this incident that happened one time, and yet they want us to rewrite the software for everyone uh, around that and it's like what really is the business impact on this and are you doing it at the best practice right. industry best practice did I say that right and and oftentimes it's, it's a delicate conversation to have because you don't want to tell someone that they don't know what they're doing or they're doing it wrong right but we have to kind of you know educate our customers on what everybody else is doing and what the best practices are instead of reacting to their issue and saying well we'll just rewrite that and put in an enhancements request and that's you know never a good solution and there's but, a there's a danger to having so many customization pieces and that right. then it becomes something that your support people and your um i guess your programmers are going, okay, well, we did this for this person, and now it's messed something up for somebody else, and or it messed 20 people up, and it fixed one. Right. So um, I think you have to take the change and let the customer know that you're doing it. You know, here, no, I can't write a custom piece for you because it, it just doesn't make sense, but... Here's an, let's find another way to do that that doesn't require extra work on your on your part. Right. And, you know, that that's the thing. I mean, we want to create a package here in this next version that's aligned with industry best practices, but also figure out a way to educate our people and the uh, customers on how to use it properly. So it's, you know, that's where the e-learning kind of comes in as well and documentation and, you know, training our trainers that go out and train it. We talked about that. Uh, everybody needs to be on the page, same page, like you said, and you know that's easier said than done. I mean, there's a lot of work that has to go into that, but we're glad you're here to kind of coach us along because uh, we recognize that our our lease rental package has not reached uh, the level that we want it to be. So this will be a really good exercise for us to really provide a dynamic package that people will be like, wow, right. this thing's flying off the shelves because. It works and it makes sense and it's it's the right thing. So that's groovy. Yeah. 
I'm excited. I, I've after going to conference, I saw a lot of familiar faces at conference. Customers. I mean, I was a customer with them, sitting in the classes and in the you know the meetings and things like that. And so it was nice to reconnect with them and find that we were all still talking the same talk and that, you know, I I heard a lot of positive things and then I heard, you know, Hey, I wish it would do this. I wish it would do this. But I also heard a lot of, yeah, but we figured a way around that. Sometimes you just have to do that. Right. And you know, there's always workarounds and you know, I always tell people, even in windows, there's 10 ways to do one thing. I don't know which one is the exact right Right. thing, but it'd be nice if we narrowed it down to a couple. Right. (laughs) So that's what I think we're going to try to do. So since you brought up conference, you know, how was that experience overall for you? And, you know, what things do do you think we should do again and maybe what we should not do again from your perspective? Um, I, I had not been to conference for four years, so um, it was different this year than I remembered. Of course, if it was more than five minutes ago, sometimes I can't remember that. Um, <laughs> right. But I thought the the classes were were well done. Um, I didn't get to go to as many of them as I would like to have because I was doing one on ones. But um, I thought the vendor the vendor representation that we had was very good. Um, there was ample time to network both with me, with Carmack people, and with customers. I thought that was that was good. Um, uh, the one-on-ones, I don't think everybody takes advantage of those like they should. Um, it doesn't, I don't think it always has to be such a specific, you know, I have this problem and I need you to fix it. It could just be a, you know, get the right people in the room with you and sit down and talk about, hey, this is where we want to go, and you've got everybody that you can tap into. You got programmers there, you got executives there, you got sales, you got support. Everybody can kind of listen to it at the same time when you're at conference. Um, of course, I enjoyed. I didn't do. I didn't do the tunnels because I was afraid if I got in them, I wouldn't be able to get out of them. Yes, I was a chicken, no doubt. Um, that was a lot of fun as well. So yeah, conference was great. I, I thought everything was. Again, we had enough time to not be in classes the whole time, and we could talk to other people. And, you know, if somebody wanted, because I think you find out more from other users sometimes than you do from the people who design the software. You, you get, they figured out a workaround. They figured out how to do something that you've been wanting to do, but you just didn't know. So I, I think that's important, and I'm looking forward to getting a lease rental roundtable or accounting group, focus group back together so that we can kind of share some of these common practices. Yeah, Best I, practices, as you said. Right. That's a that's a great idea. And that, that's I love the roundtables. And many customers will say, you know, that's the best session for us because we can just bounce ideas off each other. Uh, the other thing that you kind of touched on that I just think is probably my favorite thing about conference is the networking opportunities, whether it's on the breaks or at the evening events or whatever. And just to talk to people that do things, like, you know, similar jobs that you do mm-hmm. and really, wow, I didn't even, not even about the software necessarily, but I didn't know you could use it that way or we're doing this, you're doing that. But whatever the practice is, it's it's really powerful to sit in a room of people that do the exact same thing you do and go, wow, I didn't even know that that was possible. So those are those are great, and we get a lot of feedback there. And I, I think you're right. I don't think everyone takes full advantage of the one-on-one time with considering the audience that you have, uh, not only with industry people but with the Carmac you know, entire team of experts. So right. it's good stuff. Yeah. And and you know it the events are always 
pretty good. That's my third one, I think. If I've been here, yeah, it'd be three years. Good Lord. They've and been so good somebody, for the last three years. It's weird. I don't weird. know who it was. He, he had on this weird shirt. <laughs> and then he kept standing up there talking to us. And then he showed us a video of somebody. It was really entertaining, to say the least. We like to have a little bit of fun with it. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, the shirt thing was hilarious. And for people that didn't attend, I... I took a lot of ribbing from the shirt that I wore here one day, and a couple of the executives thought it might be funny to tease me about it. And I could have left it alone, but that's not my style. So we started talking about it, and the shirt became this living, breathing thing. Uh, and there was a clear line of people that hated it and people that loved it. And there was no people that just thought it was okay. So it was it became a thing, and I decided to run with it. And I wore it again, and I happened to have it on when we took our pictures for the conference, right? So they're like, oh, my God, I can't believe you're going to wear this shirt for the picture. And then it was in all the slides, and I told Richard, I'm wearing that shirt on the opening session. And dang it, I did. Then I, so and then it became a topic of uh, discussion when I was up there. But, yeah, I haven't wore the shirt back yet, but uh, I'm saving well, it for a special need to day. Frame it. Yeah, you need to frame that, you know, conference 2016 or something like that hanging in your office. The, the Back to the Future uh, the way that was all packaged and done together it was a lot of smart people that put a lot of time in Majerica and her team did a lot of work with that and all the graphics and you know having Bob Gale there that who wrote Back to the Future uh, right. really cool because there was some relationship through Richard and the law firm we used that we were able to get him and uh, it just kind of fell together really neat and yeah. celebrating our 35 year anniversary kind of coincides with that as well and. Uh, but yeah, we have a lot of fun. So if you're listening out there and you don't go to conference, you got to get out here because we have a lot of fun for sure. And it's a good conference coming from a person that did it as a user and a customer. I, I always felt like it was time well spent and money well spent to come out to it. Good. That's good yeah. to know because yeah, you you take time from your business yeah. and it costs you money to come out here. So we don't want you walking away thinking, geez, that was a waste of time. Right. So right. We, we'll find a way to have some fun and... You know, do some fancy learning. Uh, <laughs> I will teach you nothing other than what kind of shirt to wear. But uh, <laughs> so cool. So, how long did it take uh, the OEMs to get on board with what you're doing with the lease rental? Uh, well, you know, when you've got uh, small dealer groups, and we all, you know, there was probably ten or twelve of us. We were one of the first ten pack lease franchises, um, and that was. What did I say? 1992 is when we started. No. 1982 is when we started the leasing business. Um, so within a couple of years, you guys so, were rolling. Yeah. So we, um, and dealer-owned leasing companies are different from, you know, the big, the big ones that are, you know, privately owned, like the Riders and the Penske's and stuff like that. Um, because there is this relationship, very symbiotic relationship between the dealerships and the leasing companies. Mm -hmm. The leasing companies, whether the dealership wants to admit it or not, are their number one customers. They buy the most parts because yeah. they're, ca they're a captive audience. They're running their brand truck. They're buying their proprietary parts. They're providing a nice stream of used trucks that have been maintained to go back to the dealership at the end of the lease you know, if you've got somebody coming in to buy a used truck, they would much rather buy an old, a former rental or lease truck that they know has been on a PM program for the entire time that it's been there. It's been taken care of. 
you know, and um, so as a dealer principal, you you want all facets of that to be successful. You want any service that the dealership service department does, they make money at that. Mm-hmm. You know, that keeps trucks in their shop, keeps their parts department busy. Um, and there's a, a nice, you know, it's a nice way for you to rent trucks to existing dealership customers that maybe aren't good lease candidates, but they still need extras or they need rec extras or they need, uh, you know, additional Christmas trucks or whatever. So <clears throat> dealer, dealer associated lease and rental companies, you know, they have a lot to gain from that relationship if it's managed properly. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the leasing business, something that we do that's different from the dealership is we actually help our customers run their business. Because they put the driver in the truck and they get the loads, but we do everything else. But we have to know what they're doing. We have to know what their driver situation is. We get involved with their insurance. We get involved with their fuel tax, their licensing, so that when they get out on the road, they're, when they get stopped at a way station, they got everything they need. We actually are participatory with that customer on a daily basis. And we have a long-term relationship of five years. It's not like we sell it and out the door it goes. And please come back and have your service work done here. Please mm-hmm. come back and buy another truck from me in five years. Hey, I'll be talking to you next week. I'll see you next week. You're due for service in three weeks. Hey, you're, you know you ran over something in the road, blew a tire, call our 800 service, we'll get you taken care of. So in the lease rental business, you really are intimate with your customers on a daily basis. And it is a long-term relationship. It's not like I can wake up one day and go, I don't want to do business with you anymore. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. You know, so you have to help each other and you have to work together. So you've got to have a couple of fun stories about some lease rentals gone wrong. Uh, you got any you want to share with us? Oh, gosh. <laughs> you should have told me that earlier. So I could think. I'm old. I can't remember stuff. I just feel like there has to be some really good ones. Uh, you know, somebody robbed a bank with one of your trucks. or It seems well, like a reality I, show in the making. Actually, um, you're in the truck business. As I hired people over the years that had never been around trucks before, they never noticed a truck on the road. But the minute you start working for a truck dealer or in the truck-associated industry, right. it's like, I saw an international today. You see I saw nothing you, but that. That's all you see. And you and, and our kids used to say, I saw one of your trucks today. They always thought every Kenworth on the road belonged, was, was mine, you know, that I personally owned every single Kenworth right. that was on the road. I said, no, honey, that's, that's the brand that we sell, but it's not it's not my truck. And right. it took a while for them. You know, they were babies. My, my first child, I came back to work four days after I had her so I could do payroll because I was the only wow. person that could do payroll. So they, they've they all, both of them grew up doing trip records and um, helping me sort papers and staple repair orders and stuff like that. So. Did you have two kids? I have two girls. Mm-hmm. Two girls, and are they in the industry still? Or yeah, are they, no, no. They, they go to work they, at, uh, what was the place uh, called? Credit Suisse. One of them went in the banking yeah. industry, and the other one is in accounting. With a with a company that runs trucks, by the way. So, well, so see, she so kind of sort of is, yeah. Kind of. Yeah, kind of sort of is. Uh, so, yeah, I again, I thank you for being here and agreeing to do this. Uh, it's good stuff. We like to get industry people out there. You know, some of our podcasts were uh, internal people and, you know, mm-hmm. how Carmack works and all that. And I'm sure people maybe have some interest in that, but they definitely have it in the industry. And lease rental is definitely one that's uh, on the forefront that people like to talk about. So thank you for being here and doing this with us. And uh 
I'm looking forward to working with you over these next few months. Same here. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for listening to the Carmack Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, please drop me an email at jallen at carmack.com. I enjoy reading your feedback and comments. Also, stay tuned for the stylings of Ezzy Shezvold as she jams out on her uke. We are the podcast for the heavy-duty industry. Thanks for listening, and have a great day.